to head up to King's Table if uh, you want to head up to King's Table. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you for joining us. Who has made a New Year's resolution? Anybody? Show of hands. One, two, three, four, like a handful. Okay. Who has already broken said New Year's resolution? No one. Good job. Look at you guys are like 12 hours in and you still haven't messed it up yet. Awesome. Good job. Way to go. Um, this is one of my favorite times of the year because it's New Year's resolution time. It's time to start. We think back on the last year. We think about 2016 and what can be different about 2017. What can be different? What can we improve? What can we change? What, what lies ahead for 2017? We want to do better next year, right? There's a blank calendar. It's totally open. We have hopes and dreams this time of year and it's full of possibilities. But the only way that any of that's going to happen is if we have a plan. I am a big believer in setting goals, having a plan, right? It's, if you're going to get from A to B, you need to have a plan to get there. You need to have some type of goal in mind. Uh, and I've learned that from years and years of saying, yeah, I want to get better at this. I want to be smarter in this area. And then never having a plan to actually make that happen. And so it never actually happens. And so you need to have goals in place. You need to have a plan in place. And so this morning, I want to help us with our plan. Right? We all have dreams about what 2017 can hold, what 2017 can look like. And so this morning, I want to help with our plan for 2017. We're going to look at one of the great leaders of the Bible as he steps into a new and somewhat overwhelming role and the plan of how he was going to succeed how he was going to step into this new role, new role and succeed. So we're going to be in the book of Joshua this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Joshua. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in a seat back around you. Um, and those seat back Bibles, Joshua is on page 178. So um, as we read Joshua this morning, we're going to look at three things that are going to help us with our plan for 2017. We're going to help, I'm going to help make it a great year. And those three things are trust that God is for you. Obey and treat the Bible as a gift. So that's where we're going to go this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in to the book of Joshua. Heavenly Father, God, as, as the calendar turns and as we look ahead to 2017, Lord, we think back on all that you did for us in this past year. We reflect and we, we think back on your goodness and your mercy. God, we thank you for the, for the good of 2016, for the fun, for the glimpses of your glory. God, we thank you even for the trials and the challenges that we went through, for the tough stuff, because from it we grow and we learn. We know that you are shaping us even in the hard times. God, you know what is in store for us in 2017, and so we come into this year trusting you. Lord, help us as we go into this year to listen to be quiet enough to listen when you speak and to be bold enough to move when you tell us to. God, as I pray this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be glorifying to you. We pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. So we're going to be in the book of Joshua and we're going to pick it up right in verse 1. 1-1. One, one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. 
from the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do or according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If 2017 is going to look different for us, we need to trust that God is for us. Trust that God wants you to succeed. He wants you to succeed in what you were created to do, who you were created to be. So the question then becomes, what was I created for? See, look, 2017, we're going to take care of the whole, like, why are we here thing. You were made to worship. You were created to bring glory to God, to worship God. You are made to worship. It's part of who you are. It's part of your DNA. It's built into us. Let me give you an example. Let me take you back to a magical night, November 2nd, 2016. After what many are considering, and by many I mean me, the greatest baseball game to ever be played, Chris Bryant charged at a ground ball, gloves it, throws it to his best friend, Anthony Rizzo, and the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Yes, we are not done with Cubs World Series jokes, just because it's a new year. What happened after that? It was chaos around this city. It was just perpetual noise in this neighborhood for like a day and a half. There were car horns and fireworks and people yelling. Not yelling words, mind you, just like walking down the street making noise, cheering. And then two days later, anyone that has ever had any interaction with the city of Chicago flooded the streets and Grant Park to be part of the celebration. You see, in sports, when you're a fan, you study, and you learn about the players and the teams. We give our money to go and watch them and to wear the apparel. We stand and yell and cheer and clap. We sing songs about them. Being, in a, being a fan is an example of how worship is part of who we are. You see, the question isn't whether or not we worship. The question is, what is the object of our worship? Being a sports fan is not a bad thing. You guys know I'm a Cubs fan. It is not a bad thing, unless it goes to like a weird extreme where you start replacing God with Joe Madden. Like, we don't want to do that. But being a fan shows that there's this part of us that we are made to worship something. It proves we are made to worship. But the object of our worship, what we were made to worship, is God. We were made to bring glory and honor to God through the way we live our lives. The way that you work the way that you are a spouse, a parent, a child, a student, a neighbor, 
the way you do those things, your purpose in life, in all of those aspects, is to fill those roles in such a way that brings glory and honor to God. And so in that regard, God will always be for you. God will always be on your side. And regardless of your past, God is for you. Look at verse 2. God tells Joshua, he says, look, Moses is dead, and now I want you to stand up, Joshua. I want you to lead the people into the promised land that I have, I have prepared for you. God tells Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. Why weren't they there already? I mean, Moses was in control. Well, Moses was their leader. Right? You think back, you think the Ten Commandments, you think the plagues of Egypt, all of these great things that Moses was a part of. How could he not be the one to lead them into the promised land? And now, how is Joshua supposed to do what Moses couldn't? This past August, we started uh, what we're calling the, the hashtag two-year journey, where we're reading through the Bible together. And we did this for a few reasons. Um, because we love the Bible and we believe it is a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we know that the fruit comes when Christians get together and read the Bible together. And when we study things together and having a plan, like I talked about before, having a plan eliminates the overwhelming, how do I deal with the Bible? How do I, I want to read it, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. We gave you a reading plan to say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And doing something in a group like this builds relationships. It builds accountability, right? I don't know how many other people are, are doing it, but I know some of the people who are doing it so we can keep each other accountable. We can ask each other questions. We can, you know, just talk about the things that we're reading together. If you haven't done it yet, if you haven't been part of it, you're only, we only started it in August. And Jan, this is New Year's resolution time. It's G tomorrow, we're going to pick it up, January 2nd. If you haven't started, or if you started reading it in August and you fell off, start back up. Tomorrow, we can jump back in. The reading plan is in the back. Um, it's on the website. It's on Facebook. It's on your bulletins. We try and make it as accessible as possible. It's two chapters a day. For those of you who don't know, it's two chapters a day, Monday through Saturday. And then Sundays, there's no reading. And built into the two years, there's going to be three weeks of break where there's no reading for you to catch up or just kind of read other things, do whatever you want to do. Um, but I really encourage you, as we're getting into 2017, try and be part of this reading plan that we're doing. Try and jump in and be part of what we're trying to do as a community to be in God's Word together. And so that is a very long-winded detour to the question, why didn't Moses lead people into the promised land? In this past week's reading, so you can bring it full circle. In this past week's reading, we started the book of Deuteronomy. In that book, God tells his people to go to the land he has reserved for them, to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. He says, go and take this land. It's yours. I have it set aside for you. And so the people, God's people, go up to the border of this land, and they decide, let's send some spies in ahead. Let's see what we're getting ourselves into here. Let's see what the people who already live here look like. What do the cities look like? And so they send 12 spies into the land. And they stay there for a little while. And then the spies come back. And the spies convince the Israelites that the people who are already living in the promised land are giants. They're big. They're scary. They're way too intimidating. And the cities, these cities have walls that stretch up into the heavens. They're way too protected. You know what? I don't think we should go. It's not that great a place. It's too scary. It's going to be too hard. All of the spies feel this way, except for two of them. 
Two of the spies say, no, you know what? God has promised this land to us. It's ours. We need to go into it. But they weren't listened to. Even though God specifically told them he was going to give them the land, he would be with them, that he was going to be in control, the Israelites decided they didn't trust it, and they just flat out said, no, we're not going. So God tells them, because they have disobeyed, they're going to wander the desert until this generation has died off. That they would try again maybe in the next generation. It took 40 years of wandering in the desert, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and this generation dies off, including Moses. Moses was withheld because he didn't trust God, because the people didn't trust God. And now here we are, 40 years later, God's people stand on the precipice of going into the land just like they had before. They stand on the precipice of going into what God has called them to. Moses is dead and Joshua is in charge. Remember I said there were two of the 12 spies that wanted to go into the promised land the first time. One of those two men was Joshua. And so now how, here we are 40 years later and Joshua has the authority to say, no, we're going to go this time. Joshua understood that God was for him and with him. Even though the Israelites didn't trust God and they flat out said no, God still decides to bless them. God still decides to bring them into the land that was set aside for them. Even though they rebelled, even though they didn't trust him, God was still for them and with them. Regardless of your past, God is for you. But trusting God, that's a lesson that we have to learn over and over again, isn't it? I'd like to tell you that after this whole 40 years in the desert thing, the Israelites from then on trusted God, were with God, and everything was great. But after the book of Joshua comes the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, it's about 350 years worth of history where the Israelites are good with God, they're worshiping, they're trusting, and then they fall into sin and temptation, and they don't want anything to do with God. And then everything gets hard and ugly and messy, and then they cry out to God for him to save them. He shows them grace and forgiveness, brings them back, and everything's good again until they do the same thing over and over again for 350 years. And it's a cycle that we continue to find ourselves in today. But if we can grow in this, if we can not only remember, but actually live, actually trust that God is for us, that changes things. It changes how we view 2017. For Joshua, he had to step up and fill the shoes of Moses, the man who led them out of Egypt, the one who God gave the law to. Moses was the greatest leader the Jews knew up until that point. Even after his death, as you read the book of Joshua, Moses is mentioned 57 times. He's dead and buried, and yet he still is a vital part of the community. He cast a long shadow. He was instrumental in leading the people, and now it's Joshua's turn. And Joshua trusted that God was in control. He trusted that God was for him. It didn't magically make everything easier. Actually, as you look at the passage we read, God tells Joshua multiple times, be strong and courageous. You don't have to tell someone who is already strong and courageous that they need to be strong and courageous. 
But Joshua needed this encouragement from God. And so God tells Joshua three different times, be strong and courageous. The first time he says it, he says it in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous. Because even though God has given this land to the Israelites, they were still going to have to go in and go to war with the people. They were still going to have to fight. They were still going to have to go to war, and that's hard. And so it was going to take courage and strength from Joshua. The third time he says it, he says it in verse 9, right at the end of the passage we read, and that's to reaffirm Joshua, look, I am for you, I am with you. I've already told you this, I'm not going anywhere. I am always going to be with you, Joshua. So be strong and courageous, because I am with you. The second time he says it, though, there's something different there that we kind of brushed past, and you might not even notice it if you just read it. But look at verse 7. He says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Did you catch it? The first and the third time, God says, Be strong and courageous. The second time, though, he says, Be strong and very courageous. Be very courageous because it's going to take a lot of courage to obey, Joshua. That's the second thing we need to learn. If we want 2017 to look different, we need to trust that God is for us. The second thing is we need to just obey. It's a very emphatic word there in front of courageous. It's it says, I want you to follow my law. I want you to be guarded. I want you to be focused on what I'm calling you to. I want you to be focused on studying the law. God is telling Joshua, you want to be a great leader? You want to succeed? Then muster up the strength and courage to obey the law that I gave you. It's going to be hard. You want 2017 to be different? Obey what God said. The Bible is God's word to us. It is full of insights and encouragements and challenges and direction on how to live this life the best way possible. God made everything. He is the creator of all existence. He knows the way that our lives are supposed to run. He knows the way existence is supposed to run the best way possible at top performance. So why not take advantage of the direction and gift he has given to us? This very courageous idea plays out for us today as well. This charge to be very courageous in obeying God's word still rings true for us in 2017 because today, to actually hold to the Bible, to believe it, to take the Bible as truth, to allow it to influence us, and for us to actually live by it in 2017, that's going to take some courage. It's more prevalent to say in today's world, well, you know what? Everybody's belief is basically valid. Everyone basically believes the same thing. We all kind of worship the same God. Let's all just play nice and be cool and not challenge any of the status quo. The problem with that line of thinking is the Bible. Because God says in Exodus 20, he says, with the beginning of the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of slavery. You will have no other gods. And then Jesus later on comes on the scene and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one may come to the Father except through me. In the Bible, we are told that through our sin, through all the times that we think we know better than God, all the times where we want to do it on our own and we think we're better off, all those times we rebel against God, we don't trust him, or we just flat out ignore him, that's sin. 
And because of that, we are destined for complete separation from God. A punishment that fits the crime, because let's be honest, if you're going to rebel against the holy and perfect creator of all existence, well, sin deserves death and being cut off from God. Because God is perfect and holy and righteous and justice. But God is also gracious. God is love. God is forgiving. And so he sends one who would come to earth to take on our punishment, to experience the death that we deserve to die, to take our place so that we can inherit his righteousness. Jesus came to earth and dies on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, wiping the debt from our accounts. But then he takes it a step further because three days later he rises from the dead and proves his power and authority over all things. That he alone has the power to forgive sins. And so now he takes, not only takes our debt away and gets rid of it, but he adds to our account. He adds his righteousness, his perfection, so that by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, we are taken from enemies at war with God to sons and daughters of God. It is not based on our good works, our church attendance, our general niceness. It is based solely on God. It is based solely not on how good we are, but how great God is. You can't earn God's favor. You can't impress him by being good enough on our own. But through the one who said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, we can come to the Father. See, Christianity has some pretty exclusive language in it. It says that the God of the Bible isn't like every other God. That he is set apart. That he is living and active. That he is not made of wood or stone. He was not created by man. He wasn't created at all. That he has always been and will always be. To hold to that in 2017, that takes courage. To hold to a belief that in the Bible we find information on how to best live, that the Bible gives us guidance on how to do marriage the right way, the best way, how to, how to be a family the best way, how to be a man, how to work, how to rest, how to handle our finances. To say that truth is not up for debate, it is not a fuzzy gray area, but truth originated in God, and in the Bible, we have God's word, and it holds truth. To just not only believe those things and keep them to ourselves, but to believe those things, live it, say it, and let other people know that we actually believe those things, yeah, that's going to take some courage in 2017. God tells Joshua, this is how you're going to be a great leader. Be courageous. Be courageous in the way that you follow my instructions. Don't wiggle to the right or to the left. Don't make excuses. Just have strength and courage and obey. What would change for you in 2017 if you took a good, honest look at your life in comparison to the truth found in Scripture? And you made the changes to be more in line with what God, how God was calling you to live. What would change? Your relationships? Your bank account? The way you view your job? 
the way you spend your time, the way you see and ignore that guy on the corner asking for change. This is the time of year where we evaluate our lives. We set goals, we want to make changes. So why not make changes based on insight from the one who created you? Because if we believe that God is for us, that he wants us to succeed in our purpose, which is to glorify him, then that means his law, his direction, his word is not going to hinder our lives, but is going to free us up. It is going to give us life and life abundant. It is going to give us the best life possible. And so where is the courage going to come from for this? It comes from believing the reality that God is for us and always will be and always is with us. So how do we learn to obey? How do we learn to obey what God has for us? God gives Joshua some instructions. He gives us some instructions in verse 8. Verse 8, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. If we're going to learn what it has to say, if we're going to have, we've got to let it sink into us and change us, we've got to be people that are about the Bible. It's a gift. We have to treat it as such. He tells Joshua, don't let it depart from your mouth. Be talking about it. As you read it, share what you have read. Ask questions. Get other people's input. Because if it's really the word of God and it really does hold truth, why hide that and keep that to yourself? Let's work on it together. Let's talk about it together. As I always say, Christianity is a team sport. You have teammates. Use them. Take advantage of them. As you're reading through our two-year journey, as you're doing the, the daily readings, share stuff you're learning on the Facebook page. Talk to other people who know exactly what you're reading. You're reading the exact same thing as somebody else every day. The more you talk about it, the, the more you talk about it, the more you're going to grow. Because if you have a conversation with someone about a passage you read, and you share your point of view, they share their point of views, now you're engaging with Scripture. Now you're looking things up. Now you're talking about things. You're sharpening one another, and you're both growing in knowledge and wisdom. That's what's great about the Bible, is that you can read it over and over and over again and find new things, find new truths, find new things that stick out to you that never did in the past. The Bible is a deep, deep well that will never run dry. This is a big part of why we do community groups. Our community groups are going to relaunch in January on the 15th. And one aspect of every group, regardless of what they're studying, who it's geared to, is that we're studying. We're opening the Bible. We're talking about it. We're working through things together. No one of us has all of the answers. So let's do it together. There's an insert in your bulletins you got when you walked in that has the information for community groups. I really think in 2017, as you're thinking about your schedule, you're thinking about your week, start looking at that schedule and think, how am I going to fit? How am I going to make community groups a priority this year? Because they're a safe place where you can ask questions and talk about the Bible with a bunch of other people who are also trying to figure it out. God tells Joshua to talk about it, be talking about it. The word of God should be on your lips. And then he says, meditate on it day and night. Be thinking about it. Don't just read it to check it off of a list. 
There is truth to be found in this book. There is life here. There is life change here. It is good for the soul. It challenges us. It strengthens and encourages and rebukes us. The more we can put it in, the more we can absorb it and dwell on it, the more it is going to change us. The more we can meditate on it. I've shared, I think I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again because I have a microphone. Um, when I was in college, I had... Uh, I, I was an RA, and I had the football floor, and my football players didn't tend to want to follow the rules um, all the time, and so, uh, yeah, so that's just, that's how they were. Uh, I had one guy who, he came up to me one day and he said, you know what, I want to start reading my Bible. I want to start getting into this, and I want to start reading it on a regular basis. I said, that's great, you should do that. Um, and he started, he started reading the Psalms every day. He'd come home, he'd, you know, he'd get back to his room after classes, um, after football practice, before he you know, went on Halo, he read through the Psalms. He was doing that every day, every day. School year ends, he went away for the summer. I checked in on him a couple times, he was reading every day. About a year later, he comes to my room one day and he says, Tim, I screwed up. Not something new. And he says, I got drunk, I had, was at a party, did some things not very proud of. I said, okay, so... What's, what's the problem? What did you do? He said, well, the problem is I feel bad about it. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I've done all these same things before, but I never felt bad. I thought it was funny. But now I, I don't think it's funny anymore. I said, well, you, you've been in the Word on a regular basis, right? You've been reading still. He said, yeah, it's like been over a year, almost every day. I missed a couple, but pretty much every day I've been in the Word. I said, well, that's what's different. You're putting good in. You're meditating on God's word, and it's cleaning out the gunk that is in you. It's cleaning out the bad. God's word is good and good for the soul, and it brings to light the things that we need to focus on, the things we need to work on. And it starts to change the way we see the world. It started, we start to see things differently when we are regularly meditating on God's word. God picks Joshua to be the next leader of his people. I mean, think about it. He went from Moses to Joshua, which means God wasn't going to just pick anybody. If he picked Joshua, it means there's something there. Joshua was a, a pretty moral and upright guy. He already had a good relationship with God. He was already faithful. We already saw 40 years earlier, he was one of the two of the 12 that trusted that God was going to be for them to go into the promised land. And yet, God tells Joshua, I want you to be talking about the word. I want you to study it and meditate on it. I want you to dwell on it and let it sink in. Let it color the way you see the world around you. Let the word of God do what it was made to do, Joshua. Even Joshua needed to be reminded and encouraged to be a person of the word. So what does it mean to meditate on it day and night. It means not reading it to check it off a list, but read to understand. Read to grow. To learn. And after you read, think about it. Think about how what you read affects and challenges your life right now. As you read the Bible, you can ask two simple questions. Read the Bible and then say, what is God trying to teach me in this passage right now? And then how does God want me to respond to this? What's he trying to teach me? How does he want me to respond? That's meditating. Starting to not just read it, but let it affect your life. 
And then he tells Joshua, I want you to do according to all that is written. See, it's good to study and to learn and to talk about it and to think about it and, and theorize, and it, it, that's great. But if that's as far as you go, you're missing the point. Because the Bible calls us to respond. It calls us to action. God's people are not supposed to be passive. We are active. James 1.22 tells us, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And he goes on to say that if you are, if you only listen or only read the Bible, but it never actually affects your life, you never actually act on it, then you're like a person who looks at themselves in a mirror and then walks away and forgets what they look like. God calls us to be active. How does God want me to respond to this? Think about it. And then do it. This book is a gift given to us. It is God revealing himself to us. So treat it as the life-giving gift that it is. And when we do this, look at what God says is going to be the result. Look at verse, the, the end of verse 8. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Now, this is not saying if you do good, God will give you stuff. God is not a slot machine. But when he's talking about you will be prosperous and have success, what will you have success in? You will have success with the very thing that you were made to do. Bring glory and honor to God. The God who made you. The God who knows you. He knows all of you, your good and your bad. And yet, even though he knows all of you, even the bad stuff, he loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you. He says, you will be prosperous in doing what you were made to do. Bring glory and honor to me, Joshua. For Joshua, it was to lead the people into the promised land. So what is it for you? How are you going to bring glory to God in 2017? It starts by believing that God is for you and then obeying what he is calling you to do and treating the Bible like what it is, a gift given to you. 2017 is here. So what's the plan? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the countless blessings. We thank you for the fact that we get to come here and worship you. We thank you for this building, for heat. We thank you that we get to sing